African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa, and the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Thank you for joining us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today we're going to be looking at population trends in Africa. Why? Because this coming Saturday, the world will be celebrating World Population Day. So we know that uh, in Africa, we're having such a, a huge rapid growth in terms of our population. We'll look at the dynamics and the trends in that regard. But before we get into that, let's get our news from Onel Nzinti. Thank you, Benjamin. Now looking at your headlines, Boko Haram militants claimed responsibility for twin suicide bombings in Chad's capital, N'Djamena. Guinea's ex-junta leader, Musa Dadis Kamara, is indicted, and dozens of Kenyans demonstrate demanding direct U.S. compensation for victims of the 1998 embassy bombing in Nairobi. With your latest news, a very good morning. Boko Haram militants have claimed responsibility for two suicide bombings in Chad's capital, Jamena, that left 38 people dead, the site intelligence group reported on Wednesday. In a statement in Arabic posted on Twitter, the jihadist group identified two suicide bombers who it says carried out the June 15th attacks. It was signed by the Islamic State West Africa province, as Bokram has styled itself since pledging alliance to the Islamic State group in March. Dozens of Kenyans demonstrated in the capital on Wednesday to demand direct U.S. compensations for victims of the 1998 embassy bombing in Nairobi. A letter delivered to the U.S. embassy in Nairobi said compensations will help 
bring closure and healing to so many who have suffered for so long because they stood with America. The twin bombings killed a total of 224 people and injured some 5,000, almost all of them Kenyans and Tanzanians. Washington has said it has already spent tens of millions of dollars in medical treatments, school fees, counseling and reconstruction services for the thousands of Kenyans and Tanzanian victims. Guinea's ex-junta leader Musa Dadis Kamara was indicted on Wednesday for the deaths of more than 150 people gathered at an opposition rally on in 2009. In September, the presidential guard opened fire on thousands of protesters who had gathered in the National Soccer Stadium to demand that Kamara resign. Kamara's hearing with the magistrate could continue into next week. As South Sudan today marks its four-year anniversary since independence, the UN Secretary-General has warned all parties to the conflict that they will be held responsible for the actions after historic independence celebrations on July 9, 2011. The world's youngest nation became embroiled in a power struggle within the ruling party that has seen one of the world's most underdeveloped countries descend in what the UN has called an unnecessary civil war, one that has displaced one and a half million people, with a further 730,000 now living as refugees. Sharon Price, peace has more. Statements from several senior UN officials have confirmed that political efforts, both regional and international, have failed, warning that the outlook for a tormented population remains grim. In private consultations, the UN's head of peacekeeping, Hervé Latsous, asked the council to impose an arms embargo, a question put to the current council president, New Zealand's ambassador, Gerard Van Bohemen. An astonishing 8 million people face food shortages, while several thousand children have been recruited by armed groups to serve as soldiers. Thousands have died, and any hopes of building this young nation from the ground up continue to fade. And finally, the family of slain former Lesotho Army Commander Mabarangwe Mahao has written to the government of Lesotho saying it does not accept unofficial hints that he will have an unofficial state funeral and attendance by the executive and Lesotho Defense Force would be inappropriate, further traumatizing the family. Hundreds of mourners gathered at the Machabeng College in the capital of Lesotho Maseru for Mahawa's memorial service. He was shot by other soldiers two weeks ago in what the government said was a mission to arrest him for an alleged mutiny that went wrong. The Mahao family has told government that it will not welcome an official state funeral and attendance by members of the executive and the Lesotho Defense Force will be inappropriate. Government Secretary Mwaklu Dimpaka says he has received the letter and the Prime Minister has acknowledged its receipt and forwarded it to ministers and the army, but government has not yet responded. Now recapping on your top stories, Boko Haram militants claimed responsibility for twin suicide bombings in Chad's capital, Njamena. Guinea's ex-junta leader, Musa Dadis Kamara, was indicted, and dozens of Kenyans demonstrate, demanding direct U.S. compensation for victims of the 1998 embassy bombing in Nairobi. Channel Africa News, I'm Onelin Sinsi.
always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on Programs for a list of your favorite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You're listening to us right here on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Thank you for joining us. And uh, today, as I mentioned, that uh, we'll be looking at the issue of population trends on the continent. We know this coming Saturday we'll be celebrating World Population Day. Potential is the key word when referring to Africa from a developmental perspective. As much as people focus on the mineral resources on the continent, that would not be the greatest asset that the uh, continent has to offer. In fact, if you missing, uh, if you're looking at the continent, you're missing the mark if you do not see that uh, human capital in Africa holds the possibility of resourceful and eventful future for the world. Sub-Saharan Africa has so much potential because it has the fastest growing uh, growth, uh, projected uh, population growth uh, between now in 2050 and has the highest youth population in the world. According to a new report titled Generation 2030, there are currently 1.2 billion people living on the continent, which is five times more than the population in the continent in 1915. Now, the report also projects but that by the year 2050, Africa's population will double to 2.4 billion. As much as this creates possibilities for the continent, it also poses a huge challenge for African government to really design efficient national and social development planning systems to deal with these uh, populations. So we'll be speaking to experts today really to break down some of these big figures. What do they represent for the continent? Hey, some people say because of these large populations of uh, 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 that are growing on the continent, it's going to be difficult for us as a continent to actually, actually uh, uh, deal with this particular population growth. But uh, we've got uh, Professor Clifford Odibegu, who is uh, from the Department of Demography and Population Studies, joining us uh, uh, on the line, and that's the Department of the University of Edvartenstrand. Uh, Professor Odimegu, thank you for joining us. Well, I don't think we have him there on the line uh, there. But uh, let me go back to this figure. There's a new report that came out titled Generation 2030. Uh, There are currently 1.2 billion people living on the continent, uh, which is five times more than the population on the continent in 1950. Now, uh, we know that the report also projects that by the year 2050, Africa's population will double to 2.4 billion. Let's not forget that uh, also on the continent, we have the highest youth population in the world. And what does that actually mean? And also, we've been seeing uh, current trends of migration on the continent. We've been seeing the fact that uh, people are actually in dire strains when it comes to uh, regional conflicts and also the issue of unemployment and uh, areas of poverty that are really, really, really becoming a challenge for some populations. So we're going to take a quick break and see if we can actually connect with our guests. Uh, uh, We will 
will be having Professor Clifford Odimegu from the Department of Demography and Population Studies at the University of Edvardstrand. And also we'll have Dr. Richmond Tiamoko, who's the uh, Population and uh, Development Advisor from the UNFPA Regional Office in South Africa. is joining us from New York City. But let's take a quick break. We'll come back and then reestablish our contact with them. Well, let's see if we have Professor Clifford Odimegu there. Professor Odimegu, are you there with us? Yes, I'm here now. Fantastic. Dr. Regiment Tiamoko, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good morning. Fantastic. Now, I want to start with you, Professor Clifford Odimegu, looking at uh, what we've already highlighted, the huge growth of population on the continent. Uh, Just this figure is huge and staggering. In the next 35 years, 1.8 billion babies will be born in Africa. Uh, Now, what is actually driving this dynamic, this huge growth on the continent when it comes to our populations, Dr. Odimegu? Um. Well, researchers have identified a number of factors driving African population growth. Uh, One of it is the issue of a large number of women who are not making use of family planning methods because of negative perceptions about um, use of family planning methods because of cultural reasons and um, cultural reasons in front of the community, attitude, the gender issues, the husband may not like it, the husband or the partner may see the woman as being a wayward woman. So there, there are a whole lot of reasons why women are not making use of family plan. So in Africa, there's a huge what is called in demography or met need for family planning services. There are a huge number of women who want to use family planning services, but they do not have access to that. This is one of the reasons. The second reason why the African population is growing is what is called um, population momentum. Already a number of people are making effort to see that the number of family, uh, the family size reduces. But again, there's a huge number of people that are already in the system who are actually exposed to reproduction. So they keep on giving birth. You know, as you do that, they move on to the next age and population keep on growing. Um, then you bring up the issues of religion, you know, religious considerations. The position of Catholic Church is well known in terms of issue of contraceptive use, but again, um, research has not really unpacked whether in actual fact um, uh, adherence of uh, Roman Catholicism, whether they're actually not practicing family planning. Then the issues of which, uh, um, um, the Muslim population, again, who do not even believe in the issue of uh, uh, um, uh, family planning. So you, you have a whole gamut of reasons. Um, in terms of cultural aspects, you know, people tend to say, okay, uh, the large family uh, is a blessing. You know, after all, God says that we should go to the world and multiply. You know, um, having more children is a blessing. A family that does not have, you know, is ridiculed, is stigmatized. So people want to prove that uh, their, uh, their, 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 their reproductive capacity by having as many children as possible, irrespective of the consequences. 
But I don't want to believe that this is continuing so much. There, there seems to be a kind of a break, you know, especially by the educated, the middle class, the educated elites. People, people are now having experiences of difficulties of raising children in this economic climate. But again, the how fast the pace of that uh, change, you know, is is not able to catch up with the growing number, the population mm-hmm. momentum that is leading to the growth in the number of people we have in Africa. Mm-hmm. Let me move on to Dr. Richmond Tiamoko in terms of looking at those particular di- uh, dynamics. Uh, in terms of uh, some of the issues that were highlight- highlighted Professor, uh, uh, by Professor Clifford Odimegu, Dr. Tiamoko, uh, cultural issues, culture, religious issues, social dynamics that are coming into the picture there. What are your views in terms of uh, uh, some of the reasons behind this uh, particular growth? Do you agree with some of the sentiments made by uh, Professor Odimegu? Yes, uh, good morning, sir. And uh, I, I agree with what Prof. Uh, said. I, I think, in addition, uh, let's also understand that population growth is not a disaster. Mm. It's something that any human uh, society would like to, to reduce. And but what we need to understand is 20 years ago, the whole world came together in uh, Cairo, where they address the issue of population and development. And some of the issues that uh, Prof just mentioned were highlighted then. What was very clear, and all the African countries were involved, was that to ensure that people, uh, particularly women and girls, have the sexual and reproductive health and reproductive rights protected. What he meant by unmet needs, the need for family planning, that's all. That on the continent you have about a quarter of women who just like to space their pregnancy or wait for some time before having their pregnancy and do not have access to the means to do so. So that's contributing to it. Otherwise, population growth on the continent is actually an opportunity but if it's well-managed. So why are there women and people who want to plan their family do not have access to this means or do, are not empowered to do so? That's where the uh, social and cultural element comes in. When you have, for example, girls who are married very early, sometimes against their will, so they're exposed to the risk of uh, Pregnancy very early. You have also women who are not empowered because they don't have the protection needed to exercise the reproductive rights. So yes, mm. cultural issues, religious issues are there. But it's unfortunate that 20 years after the continent has agreed to protect all human beings on the continent, particularly the sexual and reproductive health and reproductive rights. We are still at this stage today. Mm. And also, I want to come back to you, Professor Clifford Odimegu, in terms of it's easy for us to jump to the challenges when looking at such dramatic growths. But before we go into those particular challenges, do these population growths offer positive possibilities for the continent, Professor? Well, um, thank you. You, you. If you listen very carefully what Richmond says, the, the, the population growth, you know, we... It's really not a, a, a problem. But the issue, the management of the population, 
In fact, there are families, there are families where you have large number of people, but yet through the prudential management of such families, those families are progressing, especially if you go back to traditional family setup. Uh, our forefathers, some of them had many wives and have many children, but they were able to manage them. The issue we are having in Africa is our ability to manage our resources to meet the needs of the population. Say, how do we manage our population growth? Our governments Yes, Richmond talk about uh, the, uh, the Cairo conference uh, 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 um, deliberations and what came out of it. But the point is how many governments in Africa actually were committed to that? You know, what of the reports that at the end of the day, do they actually believe in all those sentiments expressed at the Cairo conference? That's the issue. The issue, the African population, look, we are not as big as America, but yet America is there. We are not as big as India, but yes, I mean, uh, um, yes, India and uh, what against China. And yet these countries are driving the economy of the whole world. What is wrong with Africa is really, well, you can say partly population growth, but again, mm. we'll talk mm. about the issue of leadership. Mm. Do we have the political will to confront our issues so that our population will be well managed? Mm. Give me the resources Give me the resources to do my work. You don't need to preach to me to, to control my family size. I know already what I need hmm. because I have I know the benefit. Now you go you go to, you go to the village to tell a woman who is struggling, a family that is struggling to reduce the number of children they have. They will tell you that look, well, let me have about four or five. You know you may not know the one that will progress. Because they, they believe that their wealth is in the number of children they have. How do you talk to them? How do you make them? It's, let government play its active role. Let government be interested. Governments do, most governments in Africa plan without thinking about the population. Very interesting dynamics that you bring there. I want to come back to that, especially what you're talking about there, Professor Clifford Odimegu, in terms of how do we create and encourage family planning um, systems within our population? Very, very interesting views because now you're dealing with some cultural and religious beliefs that people are really, really holding on to. But hey, coming back to you, our listener, are we able to deal, manage the large populations on the continent? Let us know your thoughts. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five. Five seven nine three zero. That's plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. On the line, we've got Dr. Richmond Tiamoko, population advisor, um, population and development advisor, rather at the UNFPA regional office in South Africa. He's speaking to us from New York City. Also joining us is Professor Clifford Odimegu from the Department of uh, Demography and Population Studies at the University of Witwatersrand. We'll continue this uh, conversation after this short break. Always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on Programs for a list of your favorite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance. 
Just a reminder, you can get hold of us on various platforms on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's our website. Or you can actually listen to us via DSTV on uh, the bouquet, Radio Bouquet, and uh, that's on Channel 902. And thank you for listening to us on your radio service. If you're listening to the uh, frequency into the continent, that's our frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Today we're looking about the large uh, population growth uh, on the continent of Africa and uh, we're looking into World Population Day which is coming up this weekend and we know that there are new projections that are coming up and in a UN report titled Generation 2030 it states that 1.2 billion people are living on the continent but projects that by the year 2050 we'll see uh, that uh, figure doubling to 2.4 billion people. Can we actually handle these large populations on the continent? Are we doing enough to uh, create Create uh, enough possibilities in terms of creating wealth for these populations, creating enough food for these populations, managing uh, our urban areas and uh, our cities very well, and the rural settings. And uh, I've got uh, Professor Clifford Odimergu from the Department of Demography and Population Studies at the Universities of Advertisement, and Dr. Richmond Tiamoko, who's speaking to us from uh, New York City. He's a uh, population and development advisor for the UNFPA regional office in South Africa. Dr. Richmond Tiamoko, uh, Professor Cl- Clifford Odimegu is highlighting interesting issues here, looking at uh, some of these uh, myths or not necessarily myths or cultural beliefs that people have within them. As was highlighted by Professor, they're saying, hey, if you go to a woman in a rural area where she believes that uh, her uh, wealth comes through how many children they have, how do governments actually encourage uh, family planning systems in order to actually regulate some of these uh, popular population sizes? Yeah, thank you. I think that that's uh, very correct. That uh, high quality, as we say, is very often found in some disadvantaged areas, uh, like rural areas, but also in settlements in in in, in cities which bring the issue of uh, uh, disparity and inequality. So why is it so in some areas? One is uh, because of an equal access to services. And in rural areas or in some disadvantaged areas, women tend to take into account the probability of losing a child. So sometimes having uh, many children to make sure that some of them will survive. But that, as of now, that forgotten that child mortality has reduced. In fact, there are many more children living now surviving after birth than 20 years ago. So that's one. Second is, I mean, for the government, it's really to government and other stakeholders to ensure that the core fundamental of development that was uh, affected is, is protected. That's equality, dignity, and rights for all people. Why is it that people from the same cultural background are having different behavior? I mean, if you take a same cultural background or a religious background, and you take the population in the rural area or in the disadvantaged area, and those in the so-called well-off or urban center. They don't have the same uh, behavior. So there's, there's a core issue here of education and providing access to the services. 
particular to family planning services. And the figure I gave earlier about uh, unmet needs for family planning, that women and couples who want to have access to family planning and are not able to. You look at the figures, there's a large discrepancy between rural areas or disadvantaged areas, settlements, and more even so in uh, emergency situations than in the well-off areas. So it's not just cultural, it's also access and barrier to access. And government stakeholders, including development partners, is to work within the community with the cultural leaders, with the religious leaders, to really work with the, the, the population and ensure that their rights are protected. All religions value life, but healthy life. And I think that's where we, the, the background we, we should work on. Unfortunately, the UNFPA, the United Nations Population Fund, is actually working on that, and one of our programs was to uh, look at cultural aspects of uh, population and, and development and work mm -hmm. with cultural leaders and religious leaders to address issues that are actually affecting women and girls. Mm -hmm. I mentioned already the issue of uh, child and early marriage, the issue of uh, women empowerment to protect them, so that women in disadvantaged areas have equal access as citizens in other uh, regions. Mm. That brings us to the conversation of the dynamic that has become popular in the world of analysis, which is the fact that youth in Africa are the highest population in the world. Professor Clifford Odimegu, back to you. What does this dynamic present for the world? Thank you. I think uh, the, you are now trying to take us the issue of uh, what is called the demographic dividend, you know, the kind of benefit we are going to get from the fact that the, use, the youthful population is increasing. Um, that would be useful if the youth, the, the, the population of the youth is well empowered. You know, we have been we are talking about this issue of um, demographic dividend, youth dividend that will come from investing. But we, governments across African countries, so for, for this to mean a lot to Africa in terms of positive uh, benefit, there must be investment in the youth in terms of education, quality education. Then after the education, the next thing is where do they go? How? What opportunity will be available for them when they come out of the universities where they are under? So in terms of employment, in the issue of their health status, are we looking at the issue of the health of the youth? Because uh, an educated youth that is healthy, that is employed, is an asset to the country. But when you train up the youth, when you invest massively in education of the youth and they come out, yes, the African population, you invest in education and they are qualified, and they come out no job, they are more dangerous. It's more dangerous for a man without education, uh, with education that doesn't have a job. You know, it can lead a number of negative, uh, negative consequences. So what I'm trying to say, therefore, is that yes, the the, the African youthful, youthful population is is is, is good, is, but governments must invest, must think about the implication of investing on youths, trying to put more money where the youth will benefit and make. Resources available for the development of the youth. By so doing, we'll be able to reduce all the kind of uh, um, uh, the, the criminal tendencies of unemployed youth and the criminal tendencies of idle hands. You know, this. Look at what is happening in Nigeria. 
it's, it's because of lack of job opportunity that you find easily young people who can take up arms against the country. It happens in Tunisia, and it's, it's what is sweeping across the uh, Arab world. It's, and it's, it's like right here, you know, with us in Africa. Unless there is a consistent, heavy investment in organized investment in youth empowerment, broadly defined, not only education, employment, health, and all that, you know, we will be growing up in terms of youthful population, but it's going to be dangerous at the end of the day because it mm. may explode, just like it happened in Tunisia. Mm. Dr. Richmond Tiamoko, your views there on uh, this youth uh, population that is uh, dominating the populations on the continent. Your views on that? Yes, I think the continent has a very wonderful opportunity really to accelerate its development uh, because of the youthful population. And as uh, Professor uh, just said, this is an opportunity that the continent needs to really invest and, and, and uh, capitalize on it. But how do we capitalize on the youthful population and take it to the global world as an asset? Is to invest in young people. And uh, Professor already said that. But invest in young people to ensure that they are empowered and they are skilled for the new and global economy including the green economy related to climate change. But it's also to protect the most vulnerable in the society. Because you may have a youthful population, and most of them, particularly girls, are vulnerable in that context. So it's to ensure that the most vulnerable are protected, they have equal rights, and address the issue of those who are even in a most vulnerable situation like emergency, disaster, and displacement girls in, in refugee camps, girls who are displaced, ensure that these are part of the population that is going to contribute to the development, to ensure their protection, including the protection of sexual and reproductive health and rights. So that's very critical. And uh, we, we know that uh, this, uh, the continent is aware of that, Africa continent is aware of that, as the African Union, actually, as including demographic dividends in the post-2015 development agenda. And the demographic dividend is what? It's the accelerated economic growth that will come from a change in the population, such as in the population growth and the search of the population. So if it's well managed, Africa is likely to really have a, a speedy development, economic mm. growth that could well, well managed. Uh, benefits all and mm, mm. um, the issue of inequalities that we're talking about. Mm. I've got uh, on the line uh, Dr. Richmond Tiamoko, uh, the Population and Development Advisor from the UNFPA Regional Office in South Africa, is joining us from New York City. And also on the line, I've got uh, the uh, professor from the Department of Demography and uh, Population Studies at the University of Advertisement. That's Professor Clifford Odimegbu. Uh, great conversation indeed. And I like the, the really practical views that are coming out from our experts today. Uh, there was a huge issue that was highlighted just 
now and uh, uh, Professor Clifford Odimegu said something very interesting. They're saying, hey, we've got great uh, potential. Young people are on the continent. But hey, we don't want to see our young people idle and not doing anything. We need to empower them. And the question that we're asking to you today as our listener, are we able to deal and manage with the large populations that we're seeing on the continent? Already we know that there's a lot of young people that are actually uh, dominating that particular population on the continent. Let us know your thoughts. SMS us on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. That's plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. We want to hear your views. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. And when we come back, we're going to continue looking at this. And uh, because there's no opportunity sometimes in the continent and uh, sometimes it's very difficult to get employment, we're also seeing some issues of migration and there's a lot of movements that are taking place on the continent. So we're going to look at those particular trends and what leads to those trends. And uh, we know that uh, there's been a big conversation of what's happening in terms of the migration from uh, North Africa into Europe. That's have been That has been a huge conversation of this year in terms of looking at migration and population and how it's affecting us as as, as in terms of international uh, and the international community. But let's, let us know your thoughts. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Are we able to deal and manage the large populations? The time right now is 11.36 Central African time. We're going to continue this conversation after this. Get to know Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views and great African entertainment. You can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 902. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm Benjamin Moshatama and uh, you're joining us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today we're looking at the population trends in Africa, what's uh, creating this uh, bigger population growth and also how do we respond to it? Can we actually manage it? Can we deal with it? And uh, coming back to our professors and our doctor and our experts on the line, Dr. Richmond Tiamoko, we also have been seeing growing trends of migration as I highlighted uh, before that short break and we know it's due to conflict economical and social problems that are faced by populations on the continent. Could you unpack the issue of migration for us uh, uh, Dr. Tiamoko? Yes, thank you. Uh, migration is also a very key component of uh, what we call population dynamics and uh, in fact the economic growth witnessing on the continent for a number of countries in the, in the last uh, few years, the positive growth has been attributed to uh, partially to migration, particularly urbanization. But I would like us to look at two components of migration. There's what we call migration, which is a voluntary labor migration, but there's also what is called forced migration and uh, displacement. The first component is uh, labor migration is people who uh, really move on their the free will to look for what is called the greener factor, who take their skills and qualifications to where opportunities are rising. And that is very often contribute to positive development. But you have also on the continent, and sadly, so, 
people who are forced to leave the place and move unwillingly, either because of natural disaster or conflict. And that's another component of forced migration that unfortunately uh, create more problems than contribute to development. So as, as we discuss, I want us to look at these two and see uh, what generally we do, those who are on the move, either willingly or unwillingly, and focus more on those who are on the move and willing. But uh, if, if we look at the first component of uh, uh, free labor migration, I think we can link it to, to our population, uh, population growth that we discussed. Now, as the world is globalized, you have more young people, uh, skilled, educated, who think that they have the skills and qualifications required by the, the global economy, either at home or elsewhere, and elsewhere to be within the country or outside the country. So that's uh, what uh, uh, younger generations are considering, that they can export the capital, what's called the human capital. And uh, it's important then to protect and provide a conducive environment for these skills to be mobilized either at home or uh, elsewhere within the country. That's starting into migration. And that I've seen part of the development and economic growth that we have seen recently is related to what is called a return on migration and part of it as uh, remittances from migrant abroad could be abroad from the country or within a country to rural areas or to the, 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 the area of origin. So that's tapping to, uh, tapping to migration, investment in migration. But we should not mm. forget, and I, I really think uh, maybe we'll discuss further, mm. those who are in emergency situation, in the emergency situation who are forced to move mm. from the place, and particularly uh, women are the, are the constitute the majority of people on the move for forced migration. Mm. And there's a lot of things to cover as well, because I also saw another uh, huge uh, uh, dynamic as well that comes into this is the urban population boom as well. And now Africa and Asia is said to face numerous challenges in meeting the needs of the growing populations within uh, the urban settings, especially when you look at infrastructure, housing, transportation, energy and employment. Uh, your views there, Professor Clifford Odimegu, as we, we wrap it up, we don't have much time left, but uh, let's, let's look at what's happening in the dynamic of urban population boom um thank you well as as uh, uh, dr richmond has pointed out you know um urbanization has consequences and every african most uh, african countries are experiencing these consequences especially in terms of issues of social services and uh, access to social amenities um my take would be that it's it boils down everything we are going to say everything we are saying boils down to issue of proper management of the population and proper management of the population so that you'll be able to manage the, to invest adequately on population dynamics issues of fertilities of migration rural urban forced migration or whatever kind of migration you know because migration is a part of life that cannot every country there's no country that is growing or that has grown that is in the face of this art that has not experienced migration that's not as a result of migration 
And the migration is giving a lot of benefits now to countries if we're managed. Issue of the brain, there's nothing like brain drain again. It's brain gain because like some of us who are foreigners in, in another country, we're getting something and we're giving back to our countries back home. And there's some other people who are Let's say South Africans, but they are in Europe. They're bringing something to so migration is beneficial if well managed. Urbanization also, in terms of all the access to facilities, requires government investment. The issue of population management to be able to manage it effectively and efficiently, so that we'll be able to, despite urban, uh, the, 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 the the growth in urban, uh, urban cities in Africa. We will still be able to provide the resources, the services to, to the teaming population. It goes down to one thing, leadership, political leadership. Africa has, I can say it, I'm a demographer, I can say that African population growth is not a problem, but the issue is corruption. We waste a lot of money. If you can use $250 million to build somebody's house, when there are millions of people on the street without job, it's unfair. So you can't be complaining about urban cities when government officers, political leaders are, are, are richer than their countries or across African countries. So I think this is my take. Urbanization will be controlled, migration will be controlled, fertility, all the population dynamics can be well handled if our governments are sincere, leaders are sincere, and they invest where, and they spend the money where, they are, where, where we're supposed to spend the money and the population dynamics and everything will take care of itself. Thank you. Well, that's a great way to end it. Thank you to you, Professor Clifford Odimegu, for your views there and for joining us on our program. Uh, Professor Clifford Odimegu is from the Department of Demography and Population Studies at the University of Advertisement. Thank you as well to Dr. Richmond Tiamoko, who is the Population Development Advisor. I've been referring to the United Nations Population Fund as the UNFPA. Uh, so if you don't know, it is the United Nations Population Fund. And uh, he was speaking to us uh, from New York City. Thank you as well for waking up early there and making time for us. Thank you both for joining us on our program. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, that's our question to you. Are we able to deal and manage the large populations in the continent? As you heard there, Professor Clifford Odimegu say, it's really on us as Africans to manage, to manage well, to do well in terms of uh, how we uh, govern and also how we also uh, plan our families from a, a, a societal perspective. Let us know your thoughts. Are we able to deal and manage the large populations on the continent? SMS us your views on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Time right now is 11.45 Central African time. Let's move on and get our economics update from Musani Matebula. Good morning. Thanks, Benjamin. Different agreements which are related to the economic integration of member states are expected to be signed by BRICS leaders. The seventh BRICS summit is currently underway in the city of Ufa in Russia. Trade ministers have already met and expect their countries to benefit from such agreements. South Africa's Trade and Industry Minister Rob Davis says a strategy for intra-BRICS cooperation will be tabled. Meanwhile, the BRICS Business Council is expected to present a number of recommendations to the heads of states today. Davis outlines what else will be discussed. There's also a number of subjects which we have started to talk about. 
things like uh, electronic commerce, uh, things like uh, intellectual property, uh, comparing experiences. We're still at a very, very early stage of the conversations around that. And we also had an opportunity to exchange views about the uh, forthcoming ministerial meeting in uh, Kenya uh, of the World Trade Organization. We will see some uh, agreements signed. Gross domestic product uh, GDP growth in sub-Saharan Africa will average 4.2% in 2015. That's according to the latest World Bank report in its Global Economic Prospects report for June 2015. The World Bank made a 0.4% downward revision of the region's GDP growth rate. The report attributed this to deteriorating prospects in Angola and Nigeria in the wake of the sharp oil price drop and the ongoing difficulty in overcoming electricity shortages in the year in South Africa was also given as a hindrance to growth in the whole region. The World Bank added that risks uh, to the outlook remain tilted to the downside. Growth in the region is, however, expected to pick up in 2016 to average at 4.6% and to accelerate to 5% in 2017. Meanwhile, the South African rand has recovered against the dollar after minutes from the U.S. Federal Reserve signaled a rate hike they will be likely be left up until at least by September. In early mid-morning trade, the rand firmed almost a percent to 12.51 after plunging to a fresh one-month low of 12.58 overnight. This as fears of a strike in the gold sector and the ongoing sell-off in China's equity market weighed on sentiment. The index measuring the greenback against the basket of major currencies slipped over 0.2% as minutes of the Fed Reserve as June policy meeting indicated that the bank needed further signs of an economic recovery before raising interest rates. South Africa's credit uh, regulator has asked the National Consumer Tribunal to conduct an audit on furniture retailer Lewis Group for what it termed mis-selling credit insurance. The retailer allegedly sold loss of employment cover to both pensioners and and self-employed consumers as part of its credit insurance offering, knowing that those who bought the insurance will not be able to claim the benefits. Dimakats or Lishoro has more. The National Credit Regulator says it is unreasonable for loss of employment insurance to be sold to pensioners and individuals who are self-employed. The regulator says this imposes unreasonable costs to these consumers as there is no chance of them ever putting in a claim. The NCR says it wants the National Consumer Tribunal to investigate Lewis Furniture Stores and Monarch Insurance and order refunds to the affected individuals as well as impose a fine on the Lewis Group. Uganda's central bank has sold an undisclosed amount of dollars after the shilling hit a new all-time low today. The shilling was hit by interbank dollar buying due to sentiments that the local currency would weaken after the central bank signaled it was willing to let it do so up until it finds its market value. The Bank of Uganda intervened after the shilling plunged to a new all-time low in early morning trading and a weaker than Wednesday's thoughts. And uh, the Greek uh, government says it will meet today's deadline to submit proposed economic reforms to fellow Eurozone member states. Athens has meanwhile applied for a fresh European Union loan. There are hopes that the latest measures will bring uh, 
will break the deadlock over the country as foreign debt. European Council President Donald Tusk has warned that a meeting of EU leaders later this week will be Greece's final chance to avoid leaving the Eurozone. That's your economics news. Tami Kuza is now with us to give us our sports. Thanks for joining us. Swaziland Zebra's head coach Peter Butler says that he will not resign despite heavy criticism concerning the national team's poor results. Supporters watching the African Nations Championship Chen qualifier draw against Lesotho at the National Stadium on Saturday, July the 4th, they booed and called for the coach's immediate resignation. Lesotho progressed to the final qualifier against Zimbabwe after edging the Zebras on away goal rule following a one-all aggregate draw. Despite losing the Zimbabwe in their 2017 African Nations Cup, the Flames of Malawi have moved two steps upward in the latest FIFA World Rankings that were released by World Football Governing Body. Malawi was occupying position 95 in the world, but they are now 93. Copa America runners-up Argentina have dislodged Germany as the number one team in the world. The list, which will be published this week by the Soccer's Governing Body, has seen Wales climbing in 10th position. Africa Coast still leads Africa as the number one team, whilst Malawi is now on position 25 in Africa and 5 in Southern Africa. The Flames' next assignment is against Swaziland in Babane in the 2017 Afcon qualifiers. Back home, South Africa's football-loving fans have again responded positively to the 2015 Culling Black Label Cup with just 4,000 tickets remaining just three weeks ahead of the prestigious clash between Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates that is taking place on Saturday, the 1st of August 2015. In 2014, over 92,000 supporters filled the FNP Stadium and a similar turnout is expected this year for the clash that pits fans against each other through the starting lineup selection for their beloved Soweto Giants. Further afield, USA sprinters Justin Gatlin and Tyson Gay have a tough matchup in the 200 meters in Lausanne Diamond League competition in Switzerland, where South Africa's Anna Sochobotwani is among the entrants tonight. Our correspondent, Gesho Miat, reports. Yeah, we just played in a World League, which is actually an Olympic qualification. And, um, you know, to be fair, I think with the amount of preparation and how long this team's been together, we're a very, very new team with a new coach and a lot of, you know, new goals. Athletics. Now, we do apologize for that soundbite. Let's get, let's get the athletics in USA. We're sprinters Tyson Kay and Justin Gatlin, as well as South Africa's Anasa Chobotwana, will battle it out in the Lausanne Diamond League competition. The world best sprinter, Justin Gatlin, is the man to beat in Lausanne tonight. The powerful American has not lost any of his races in the 100 and 200 meters this year. His fellow Americans, Tyson Gay and Mike Rogers, are also in the race with a big shout. South African upstart Anaso Jobotwana, Jamaican's Nickel Ashmead, Ryan Bailey and Asafa Powell are part of the strong lineup. The winner could just be any one of them. 
Geshom Yati, Channel Africa Sports, London. And finally in golf, the absence of Rory McIlroy has of course been the big talking point at the Aberdeen Asset Management Scottish Open that will tee off today in Galen. Nick Dyke reports. Nick Faldo, Ian Woosnam, Colin Montgomery, Ernie Els and Tiger Woods, the only players to win for three consecutive years at a European Tour event. Marcel Dallemagne won the French Open three years in a row from 1936. While McDowell will play down his chances to write a new page in the record books, he's well aware of what he could achieve over one of his favourite courses. He's aware too, of course, of the strength of opposition. Martin Keimer and Lee Westwood will expect to prosper alongside the informed Francesco Molinari. There are home stars aplenty too, with Victor de Buisson and Alex Lévy among those aiming to be a first French winner since Thomas Lavey in 2011. And that's the end of our sports. Stay tuned to Channel Africa and back to Benjamin Moshatama. Well, that's how we wrap up the program. Just a reminder, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Remember, there are different platforms where you can interact with us. Do find us on Twitter at Channel Africa One, or you can find us at African Dialogue. Facebook us as well. And uh, we've got a Channel Africa page where you can find us. Remember, you can SMS us your views on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Today we were asking are we able to deal and manage the large populations in Africa? And hey, there seems to be a lot of challenges in that regard as highlighted by our experts and I think we should do a series with this because uh, uh, we have a good relationship with uh, uh, UNFPA which is uh, uh, helping us with this particular program and uh, uh, it was uh, great to have the UNFPA joining us for this particular program. So maybe we should start looking at a series for African Dialogue and look at these issues because we covered so much but maybe we need to break it down because there's so many levels to look at but hey thank you for joining us coming up is africa midday where you get to the latest news on what's happening on the continent so do stay with us here on channel africa